All right, so today's daf is Pei Bet in, uh, in, in Tzachim. We're going to start on uh, Pei Aleph Amud Bet with the bottom of the daf, the bottom of the Amud, which uh, is a new Mishnah, where we left off yesterday. So it says, Nitma Shalem Orubo. We're talking about what happens to the Korban Pesach if it becomes Tamei. The, of course, the meat could possibly become Tamei in the process of uh, preparing it or, or conveying it uh, uh, from uh, from place to place, or even in the process of eating it, could become tamay. So, what happens if the meat becomes tamay? Either or, if the whole thing becomes tamay, or most of it. So, so fino In that case, we burn it at the Beit Hamikdash on the premises of the Beit Hamikdash. And we even use the wood that would normally be used to burn the korbanot. The atzemarachah is the wood that's used to uh, to burn the korbanot. Nitmami utof only a little bit becomes. Tamei so then van notar or what's left over from the consumption of the korban pesach so finotol b'chatzrotehim or al gagotehim so that they're allowed to burn at home either on their roofs or in their backyards me'atzetzman and they could even use their own wood in other words since it, as we're going to see it's not considered as negligent for a little bit of it to become tamei or for a little bit to be left over but if the majority or all of it becomes tamei so that indicates a real uh, neglect on the part of the owners and therefore we make a big spectacle out of it and we require them to come to the bet hamikdash and actually burn things on the premises using the wood of the Bet HaMikdash itself. Now, Hatzikanin, uh, these are the Kamtanim, basically, the people who don't want to spend money on the wood, so they're allowed to come, so they can come to the Bet HaMikdash and burn theirs, to benefit from the discounted uh, wood. They won't have to use their own wood, they can use the wood of the Bet HaMikdash in that case. So you see from that that it's not so much that... Um, that, that even, though, even though only a minority became Tamei, they're really allowed to use the wood of the Beit HaMikdash, even to burn that. It's just that we only require them to do so uh, if they if the majority of the Korban became Tamei. But if only a little bit became Tamei, we don't blame them so much. We don't force them to come and burn it publicly, basically. They could do it privately. Now the Gemara says, My time, what's the reason for all of this? The reason why we make them come to the Beit HaMikdash to burn the Tamei Korbanot or to burn the leftover, to burn the Tamei Korban when the majority or the uh, or the entirety of the Korban became Tamei is in order to embarrass them. In other words, in order to show that they really were, they, were, they, they neglected uh, their responsibility to the Korban and how bad that is. Or Minhu, we raise an objection. We've learned this actually uh, previously, a few prakim ago. It's found in the third parak of, uh, of this Masechet. We came across it before. So it says, if a person leaves Jerusalem and realizes he has Besar Kodesh, he has Korban meat on him. So im avar tzofim, if he already passed tzofim, he passed the location from which one can see the Beit HaMikdash. That's how Rashi interprets it. Makom so if he could still see the Beit HaMikdash from where he is, so then, um, I'm sorry, if he passed that spot, then he, then he burns it wherever he is. But if he's still close enough that uh, he can see the Beit HaMikdash from where he is when he discovers that he brought the meat with him, so then he goes back to the Beit HaMikdash to burn it. Now this is obviously talking about a Korban Shlamim, can't be talking about a, a Koche Kodashim, because a regu- an ordinary person would never have the meat of Koche Kodashim outside the Beit HaMikdash. We're talking about a person who had a Shlamim or something like that. It had to be eaten in Jerusalem, and he left Jerusalem carrying the meat um, and therefore it's called pesul yotze. It becomes, uh, it becomes invalidated by virtue of having left the area where it is allowed to be eaten where it's supposed to stay and because it left the area so now 
it has to be burned. So if he's still nearby, he brings it to the Beit HaMikdash to burn it there. And if not, he burns it wherever he is. Now, what do you see from this? You see, what's the objection? The objection, as Rashi says, is that even if the person has only a small amount, he still brings it back to the Beit HaMikdash to burn it. All that matters is whether he's close by the Beit HaMikdash or far from the Beit HaMikdash. It doesn't mention whether it's a lot or whether it's a little. Why with the Korban Pesach does it mention whether it's a lot or a little? And it says only if it's a lot, he comes to the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, if it's a little, he can burn it at home. Seemingly, even if he's nearby, he could still burn it at home. So it's It depends what situation we're talking about. If we're talking about a person who is a visitor to Jerusalem, he's visiting Jerusalem. So he doesn't really have his own uh, wood lying around. So therefore, he would need to come to the Beit HaMikdash in order to burn it because he doesn't have uh, wood handy. She says, So that person will come back and burn it at the Beit HaMikdash because he doesn't have his own wood to do it. But our Mishnah is talking about a a balabayit, the person who has the wood available. So therefore, for the person who has his own wood because his house is located nearby, so that person can use his own wood if it's only a small amount that became tamay. But the person who is uh, a visitor who doesn't have uh, his own wood handy, so he's allowed to come back or he's encouraged, he comes back to the Beit HaMikdash if he's still nearby, he comes back to the Beit HaMikdash to burn it there. Obviously, if he's far away enough that... Um, that it would be a big trouble for him to come back to the Beit HaMikdash. He's allowed to do it anywhere he wants. He can go get some wood wherever he wants. But the, but the point is that he's uh, the, the idea that he should bring even a small amount to the Beit HaMikdash to burn it is because he needs to, because he doesn't have his own wood, because he's a visitor. They both really could be talking about visitors. doesn't necessarily mean that a visitor is uh, different than someone who has a house. But the difference is that one guy was on his way home and the other guy wasn't on his way home. In other words, if the person, Rashi says, so if the person is already on his way home, he's leaving to go back from Yerushalayim to Haifa or wherever he lives. So uh, then he, they didn't require him to go looking around for wood while he's supposed to be on his way home. That's why, because it says, he left Jerusalem to go back home. So we don't require him to go all the way back to, to the Beit HaMikdash to burn the, uh, the leftover meat. However, if he's someone who's still staying in Yerushalayim for the time being, so uh, th- that would be a different story. And, um, and the person, you know, would have a, uh, we would say that they should burn it from their own wood if they have their own wood available while they're staying in town. But if they, uh, if they're leaving on the way, we don't require them to go buy some lumber at Home Depot and, uh, uh, and, and burn their, uh, burn their Kodesh when really they were already on their way home. Okay. We allow them to come to Beit HaMikdash and burn even a small amount. But in the case of a person who is, uh, he's staying nearby, and uh, and he isn't all the, already on the way home, so let him get his own wood. He doesn't have to come benefit from the wood of the uh, Beit the Mikdash. Now Rav Zavid Amar, Rashi says Rav Zavid is really going back to the first answer and saying no. The Olam Kedamar Balabait. Really, the dis- the first distinction was correct. That we're distinguishing between a person who is. Uh, uh, who is, has a home nearby and a person who's a visitor. The reason is not because he started on his way home. That's not key to the case. It doesn't matter whether he started on his way home or whether he's just staying in Jerusalem temporarily and he's, and he's not going home yet. It doesn't matter. The fact is that a person who is not in their own space and is just visiting, they consider them like the tzikanin, like the, the uh, people who are, uh, who are frugal. And we considered him in a situation where he's allowed to benefit from the uh, wood of the Beit HaMikdash to save him, himself trouble. Just like we allow people who want to save money to do it, we allow him to do it. It's not a We allow the people who are uh, penny wise to, uh, 
uh, to uh, come to the Beit HaMikdash to burn the leftover korban, even though it's only a small amount. There's no objection to it. The point is that they're just not required to do it. Um, but if the person wants to save money and they want to come and do that, they're allowed to. We only require them to come when it's a lot of meat. But uh, whether he's on his way home or not, it doesn't matter. The fact is that he's not in his own space. He's not, uh, he doesn't have his own home. And therefore, he's, you know, he's sort of roughing it, being in an area that is not his own. So therefore, we allow him to come to the Beit HaMikdash and benefit from the wood in that case. Of course, if he's already halfway home, like the like we said before, and he's, he's far away from Yerushalayim, it would be a bigger trouble for him to go back to Yerushalayim than it might be for him to just find wood wherever he is in Bern. But in a case where he's nearby, um, he's allowed to avail himself of the benefit of using the wood of the Bet HaMikdash, even if he's a visit, even if he's a visitor in the neighborhood and is staying for a few days. Now, the rabbis taught, if they say, listen, we're going to burn it at home, but we want to take the wood from the Bet HaMikdash, we don't allow them. And if they want to bring their own wood to the Bet HaMikdash to burn the Korban, they also can't do that. In other words, you can't switch. Either it's at the Bet HaMikdash with the wood of the Bet HaMikdash, or it's at your home with your own wood. Now, we understand why we don't allow people to take home wood from the Bet HaMikdash to their house to burn their Koban. Because the problem is maybe they'll have some leftover wood and they're going to use it for other non-mitzvah purposes. They're going to have some wood that they need to burn the Koban. They have leftover. They're going to use it for something else and that would be bad. But what's the reason why we don't let them bring their own wood to the Bet HaMikdash? That's nice of them. They don't want to use the, the uh, they don't want to uh, be a uh, cause an expenditure to the Bet HaMikdash. So they're willing to bring their own wood. So why, why not take it? What's the problem? So Rav Yosef The problem is that if people show up and some people bring are so generous, they bring their own wood, and other people don't have. So the people that don't have, they're going to be embarrassed that they don't have the wood. They came to the Bet Hamikdash to use the wood of the Bet Hamikdash because they can't afford the wood of their own to burn the leftover korban or the korban that became tameh. And so therefore, they're going to be embarrassed when other people bring their own and they don't have their own. So therefore, we say everyone just has to use the house. Uh, would. Now, on the other hand, uh, no, there's another concern, which is if people bring their own wood and they have leftover wood, they're allowed to take it home with them because, uh, because it's their wood. They only needed to use whatever for the mitzvah. It's the opposite of when you use the Bet HaMikdash wood. When you use the Bet HaMikdash wood, if there was leftover wood, you'd have to bring it back. That's why we don't let you take it home. But if you bring your own wood, you're allowed to take your wood home if whatever you have left over. So therefore what? A person will start bringing their wood home and people will think, hey, that guy just took wood from the Bet HaMikdash and he's taking it home. What is that, what is that guy doing? Right? People are not going to realize that it was actually the wood, uh, his own wood that he brought with him to burn his korbanot. So, um, so therefore we say, don't do it. So my benai, what's the difference? If the person brings, the difference between these two reasons would be, between Rav Yosef and Rava, would be if a person brought wood that is not used for the burning of the, uh, of the korbanot. So it's clearly not it's clearly not wood that they use in the Beit HaMikdash, like uh, hard wood or knotted wood or reeds, things like that that people don't normally use it, that is not normally used in the Beit HaMikdash. So therefore, they would, um, they would, it would be obvious that it's his wood from home. And if he takes the leftover home, it's obvious that that didn't, that didn't come from the Beit HaMikdash. He brought his own to burn at the Beit HaMikdash. That's, so in that case, Rav, I would say that's fine because everyone will know that it's legit that he's taking it home. And Rav Yosef will say, no, it still could embarrass a person that doesn't have the wherewithal to bring their own and has to depend on the handout of the Beit HaMikdash. So maybe we should just make it the same for everybody. Now, another case similar to that, uh, we learned over there in the Mishnah, and this is referring to uh, to the Masachet Tamid that we actually learned together a while back. Every morning they would have a different shift of Kohanim from that particular week's group. 
that was supposed to work on any particular day. So among the 24 shifts, uh, they would split up the work during the week as well. So the people who were supposed to work on a particular day, anybody who ended up being Tamei overnight was made to stand at the Eastern Gate and obviously sent home for the day. They weren't able to, uh, they weren't able to serve because they became Tamei, let's say, overnight, maybe from a nocturnal emission or whatever the reason was. So what's the reason that they make a spectacle out of them? Here Rav Yosef goes the other way. He says, before he said he didn't want to embarrass people. You don't want to embarrass people who have material poverty because you don't know their circumstance. They don't have wood. They can't afford wood. You don't embarrass them. So we go out of our way not to embarrass them. But somebody who was neglectful and got himself to May when he should have been extra careful because it was his special day to serve in the Beit HaMikdash, those people, we want to embarrass them. We want to show that, that we disapprove of them. Rava says, no, the opposite. It's be, again, it's the same concept that he said before. It's because of, it's because of Chashat, because we're protecting their Kavod, actually. Why? Because a person will see this guy, this Kohen, working during the day and say, hey, weren't you supposed to, what, you came to Yerushalayim to, uh, uh, to, to make a few bucks working? I thought you came here to serve in the Beit HaMikdash, or you decided not to show up for your service in the Beit HaMikdash. What kind of person are you? People won't realize he was Tamei, so he wasn't able to do that, right? So therefore, they make a big spectacle out of who was Tamei that day, so people will not attribute any bad motive to the person when they see him working later. Okay, so you see that they use the same reasoning. One is Levayesh and one is Chashad, but it's a little bit of a different situation. Now it says, my benayu. in this case, would there, be a, would there be a situation where Ravan, Rav Yosef's reasons would make a difference? It says, Ika benayu mifanke, a person who is mifunak. Mifunak means a person who is spoiled. Now what it, what it means here is a person who doesn't normally work anyway, right? So a person who doesn't work for, uh, you know, on a regular basis. Everyone knows he doesn't work, so he wouldn't be uh, he wouldn't be leaving the Avodav, the Bet HaMikdash, uh, in order to make money because he doesn't need to make money. He's an independently wealthy guy. So it says, So according to, according to Ravai, you wouldn't need to make him stand out on the Eastern Gate because nobody's going to be concerned that that person gave up serving in the Bet HaMikdash to make money. He doesn't work anyway. Right? According to Rav Yosef, he, still, the fact that he wasn't careful to keep himself away from Tum'ah on the day that he was supposed to work in the Bet HaMikdash, it's still worth making a statement about that. Similar, similar answer is, that uh, if the person's work is that he, he, he ties ropes. It's a very low-paying job. Since he has a very low-paying job, there's no way that he would give up uh, work, serving in the Beit HaMikdash that day in order to do that job. Nobody's going to assume that he gave up serving in the Beit HaMikdash that day where you get all the meat and all the other benefits of serving Beit HaMikdash in order to make his tiny little uh, amount that he makes from his tying of the ropes. So therefore, they're in a case where there wouldn't be a basis for any suspicion that the person gave up serving in the Beit HaMikdash for material gain, there there would be a difference between Rav Yosef and Rav Ar. Rav Yosef would say, we still have to make a spectacle out of this and say, hey, why, did you, why were you not careful to stay tahor when you knew you had to serve in the Beit HaMikdash? According to Rav Ar, since the only concern is that people will think that he had a material advantage in not coming. So if he doesn't have a material advantage in not coming, so we wouldn't have to make a spectacle out of him. Now the next Mishnah says, the Pesach If the Korban Pesach uh, left the... Um, Left Yatzan, the case of Korban Pesach is that it left Yerushalayim, actually, because uh, in, in a Korban Pesach has to just stay in Yerushalayim. It doesn't have to stay in the Beit HaMikdash, but if it left the premises of Yerushalayim, it becomes immediately invalid. Oshe Nitma, or it became Tamei Yisarif Mead, we burn it right away. Okay, Nitmoa Baal. Now, this is talking about on Erev Pesach, obviously, not on Yom Tov. If it, if it happened on Yom Tov, you have to wait till the next day, but uh, in order to burn it. But if it's uh, if it happened on Erev Pesach, we burn it right away. Nitmoa Baalim, what if the Baalim became Tamei? 
or shemit, or they died. So the you know the uh, the korban became pasul not because there's anything wrong with the guf a korban, the body of the korban, the the, the the korban itself is not invalid. The problem is that it's no longer useful. It became obsolete because the baalim can no longer eat from it, or because the owners are uh, are, are have died. So in that case, to ubar tzurato, we leave it, to ubar tzurato means we leave it overnight. So it becomes pasul, what's called pasul notar. It is left over. It's called to ubar tzurato means that its form should be ruined. Meaning we leave it to become spoiled, so to speak. We just leave it there. And then, and then on the first day of Chola Moed, after the Yom Tov, we would burn it then. And now the idea is that since the invalidation of this korban is not intrinsic to the korban itself, it didn't become tamay, it didn't leave the premises that it was limited to or anything like that. Therefore, the invalidation is extraneous to the korban. And in order to be, to be justified in burning a korban, we need to have an intrinsic, something wrong with the korban itself, an intrinsic invalidation. And that means leave it overnight. And then, of course, if you leave it overnight, the next day is Pesach, the Yom Tov, so we can't do anything then. So we wait until Shisha, so we wait until the first day of, 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 of Chola Moed. Rabbi Yochanan ben Boka Omer, Rabbi Yochanan ben Boka says, no, even here you can burn it right away, the fish because there's nobody to eat it. In other words, he says it doesn't matter whether the invalidation is intrinsic or extrinsic. It doesn't matter whether the invalidation is from within the korban, that there's something wrong with the korban, or that there's something wrong with the people uh, who had the korban and, and, it's, and the korban became obsolete and it's an extraneous, external reason. It doesn't matter. According to Rabbi Yochanan ben Boka, we just look at the bottom line. Bottom line is this korban is not going to be able to be used, so it could be burned right away. We don't have to wait around and, and, and wait for it to become invalid. It's ipso facto. It's automatically invalid because it can't be used because the owners died or because the owners are tamay. So according to him, it doesn't matter that the invalidation is uh, not uh, intrinsic to the korban. Now the Gemara says, Bishla matame. We understand the tame. Now this is going to the basic idea that you need to burn korbanot to become tame. That's a pasuk in the top because it says, It says, if the meat of a korban touches anything tame, it has to be burnt. It can't be eaten. Where do we get the idea that if a korban leaves its designated area, that would mean for kochei kodashim, the holy of holies, which is korban ola, korban chatat, if it, or korban asham, if it leaves the uh, Beta Mikdash premises, it becomes Yotze, Psul Yotze. If it's, uh, how do we know that that also you have to burn? Right or the or even the emurin, uh, even if you had the parts that are supposed to go up on the altar from an ordinary korban, but the korban's already been offered, and you have the emurin that's supposed to go on the altar. If that leaves the premises of the Beit Hamikdash, that becomes kodesh kodeshim also because it's going on the mizbeach. So anything like that that becomes kodesh kodeshim uh, can't leave the Beit Hamikdash. Anything that's kodeshim kalim, like mainly a shlamim or any korban that an, that an ordinary person eats, so it can leave the Beit Hamikdash. It just can't leave Yerushalayim. How do we know that if it leaves this area, it gets burnt? So it says, where do we get that from? Because this is the uh, the incident, famous incident of uh, the deaths of Nadav and Avihu, when Moshe Rabbeinu confronts the remaining sons of Aaron, Elazar uh, Nitamar, and Aaron himself, and says, "Why did you not eat this korban?" Uh, the chatat that was brought today, you didn't eat it, you burnt it. Why did you burn the korban when you should have eaten it? And he said, Hen lo He said, the blood was not brought into the inner sanctum. HaKodesh Penima. Now the literal meaning of that is, that the halacha is, and the Torah says this explicitly, we've got, this pasuk is going to come up later in this Gemara too, that um, any chatat that the blood is brought into the Kodesh HaKodeshim, or into the Kodesh, that chatat is always burnt. Now, really, that only happens in very limited circumstances, which is the chataot of Yom Kippur 
and the chatat of, let's say, the Kohen Gadol who does a sin, or if the entire community, the Parelim Davar Shal Tzibur, the entire community does a, uh, does a sin uh, under the leadership of the Sanhedrin where they make a mistake about a serious sin. We talked about it in Masachet Orayot. But the point is that this, these, the, the, any, the rule is that the blood of any Korban that goes into the Kodesh or Kodesh or Kodeshim, that chatat is never eaten. The, but, and that means whether it came in, and that is the mitzvah to do it, like in such as in the case of the uh, offerings of Yom Kippur or the other offerings, or if it was done wrongly, meaning that really it was an ordinary chatat where the blood is supposed to be thrown on the outer altar and somebody brought it into the Kodesh or the Kodesh HaKodeshim. In any of these cases, if the blood goes in there, the chatat becomes asur ba'chila, you can't eat it anymore. So, and this is, what, this is why Moshe Rabbeinu says to them, the blood didn't go into the Kodesh, so why are you burning this korban chatat? Okay, and then... And Amalo Moshe, now the, the uh, rabbis elaborate upon, and this is from the Gemara Masechet Zvachim, they elaborate on the, on the conversation. Amalo Moshe, why did you not eat this chatat? Maybe you brought it inside the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the blood, and that's why you're burning it. Maybe it went out of its designated area, meaning maybe the meat left its, uh, left the, the, in that case it wasn't the Beit HaMikdash, but left the premises of the Mishkan, and that's why you have to burn no, it was in the Kodesh all time. So Right, so of course we know that the answer is that because they become onanim, because they had become mourners as a result of the uh, death of Nadav and Aviyu, therefore they weren't allowed to eat from the Korban, they had to burn it. That's one opinion. Another opinion is that it became Tamei uh, because of all of the uh, disturbance and distraction uh, with the deaths of Nadav and Avihu. But either way, the point is that According to this conversation, in this conversation we see the idea that if something, if it had left, Miklal, right, from the fact that, Ar, that Moshe asked Aharon, did the meat leave the premises? And he said, no, 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 it didn't leave the premises. So what do you see from that? See, Miklal, right, So you see from that, that if it leaves its area, means two things. It means if the blood goes into an area, it's not supposed to. Right? Or the korban goes into an area it's not supposed to. And it also means if the meat leaves the area that it's supposed to stay in, right? Either thing, I mean, really, it's two ways of saying the same thing. In other words, there's a designated area for the korban. It shouldn't go further into the kodesh and it shouldn't go out. And if it goes in or it goes out, it becomes pasul. You see that from the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu is asking Aaron these questions. Now, um, the, the, uh, the, 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 the explain that they get this idea of this extra element to the question from the extra word penima that wasn't really necessary. It could have just said, You didn't have to say penima. That implies it has to stay in its area. So you see from this that if a korban leaves its designated area, either to go into a more holy place or a less holy place, comes pasul. That's called pasul yotze. And it has to be burnt. Because he said to them, If you told me that the meat had left the designated area, then I would understand why you're burning it. Right, that, that's the implication. Now, We know that meat that is, uh, that becomes tamay. The Torah told us in the cat with regard to uh, with regard to kodeshim kalim that has to be burnt if it becomes tamei, right? Kol shekem kodesh kodeshim because the, the pasuk that we brought before va'basar sheigab b'chol tamei lo yachil that's talking about, about the meat of a korban shlamim. So we know already that the meat of a korban that is kodeshim kalim that is the light type of a lenient type of a korban that if the meat becomes tamei you have to burn it. Certainly for kodesh kodeshim would be the same, right? But ele yotzei we see by yotzei ashkechan kodesh kodeshim. Because here we're talking, the case of the uh, of Aaron is only the case of a uh, korban chatat. Korban chatat is kodesh kodeshim, right? It's kodesh kodeshim. It's not uh, kodeshim kalim. It's very high level kodeshim. So therefore, maybe even though 
it's true that if if a if Kodesh Kodeshim leave their designated area, they have to be burnt. Maybe that's not true about Kodeshim Kalim. How do you know it's true about Kodeshim Kalim like Korban Pesach? How do you know that? So and and basically, as I've mentioned many times before, but it's good to review because every time we say it, it, it seeps, seeps deep more deeply into our brain. The, def, the, the what defines Kodeshim Kalim is that they that the eating of the Korban doesn't have to take place in the in the Beit Hamikdash. Basically, the eating of the the consumption of the Korban can take place outside the Beit Hamikdash, meaning that the owners get to eat some of it. Um, that's what's Kodashim Kalim. So Shlamim are basically the uh, Kodashim Kalim. Everything and every, when everything has to take place in the Beit Hamikdash, that's called Kodesh Kodashim. Now it says so. Minalan, how do we know this? Vitu. Furthermore, Hadetanya, that which we learned in the Brayta Landama, if the blood gets left past its required time, Nishpachtama, um, if the blood of a korban is spilled out. Or the blood exits the area. We also say there that uh, that the meat has to be burnt, even though the meat didn't go anywhere. Only the blood uh, got left overnight, or was spilled out, or went out of its area. Right. So where do we get that from? Where do we get the idea that we have to burn a korban like that? Okay, because we're talking here about uh, uh, about the uh, about the meat, right? So, so Rashi says, We know that it becomes pasul from leaving, but where do we get the idea that you have to burn the korban if all these things happen? If yitziyah, if exit from its area happens, either to the blood or to the meat, how do we know that? So, nafkalan, midi Rabbi Shimon, learn from what Rabbi Shimon said, the Rabbi Shimon Omer, Bakodesh, Bakodesh, Now, this is a, really what the pasuk is, That's saying like what I mentioned before, that's the pasuk that says that any that the blood goes into the Kodesh, the meat has to be burnt. Okay? But he says, Bakodesh, but he's taking the word Bakodesh in the middle of the Pasuk and he's applying it to the, to, to the second half of the Pasuk. Really, it says, Lechaper Bakodesh, Lotechil. It's really, it's Lechaper, anything that comes, Lechaper Bakodesh, to, uh, to atone, it comes into the Kodesh. Uh, but he's saying, no, he's using the word, Bakodesh Ba'esh Tesaref, Limed al Chatat Shesrefata Bakodesh, which teaches you that the burning of the Chatat has to also be done on the premises of the Beit HaMikdash. So that Bakodesh is going two ways. It's describing where the blood goes that invalidates, I shouldn't say invalidates, because even if the blood is supposed to go in there, that kind of a korban is always burnt, right? So it's actually a general rule, whether it's supposed to go in or not supposed to go in, that, the, that it would be burnt. But the... Um, but the uh, the idea is that also the of the of the of the meat has to be done bakodesh. How do I? I only know that about a korban chatat. So sharp kodeshim How do I know that other things the same rule applies? That even other psulim, other invalid kodesh kodeshim, and even kodeshim kalim emorei kodeshim kalim, even the parts of the kodeshim kalim that go on the mizbeach, the emorim, that they also minayin talmud lomar. It should say v'chol um, here because it's see, the the drasha is from that extra word v'chol, right? V'chol chatat. It's saying that v'chol uh, should be there because it means um, that that's the explanation. The word v'chol comes to tell you that even these other things too, bakodesh, kol bakodesh, meaning anything that is holy that has to be burnt is burnt on the premises of the Beit HaMikdash. Now that only tells us about kodesh kodeshim and things that go on the Mizbeach. What about kodeshim kalim? What about here when we're talking about the uh, the, the, the uh, meat of the, uh, of the Pesach? So ela kol pesulo bakodesh that's why it's a, that what it means is we this is all a 
an oral tradition, halachal Moshe misinai. In other words, the, that pasuk is only talking about uh, uh, korban chatat. So really, all we would know from that is that korban chatat and things that are considered kochei kodeshim, including the emorim, including the parts of the animal that go on the mizbech, that all of those have to be burnt um, on the premises of the Beit Hamikdash. But how would you know that if, let's say, a korban pesach became pasul because it went out of its area, that it needs to be burnt um, in the uh, in the same fashion? How would you know that if? Uh, how would you know in any other case that it needs to be burned burnt in that way? So it says in that case um, we, we, it's really a halacha Moshe misinai that kodashim kalim that become tam, that become invalid become tamei have to also be burnt in the um, on the premises of the Beit Hamikdash. If that's true, the only reason why it's mentioned in the context of the Chatat of Aaron is because that's what happened there. In other words, that was the situation. Not to tell you that that law only applies to a Korban Chatat, but to tell you that that was the example that happened. What about the Tana of the Yeshiva of Rabbi Baravua, who said that there's one opinion different from ours. See, our Mishnah records two opinions. Records an opinion that if the if there is an invalidation that's intrinsic to the Koban, you could burn it right away. If the, uh, if, the, if the invalidation is extrinsic, you don't burn it right away. And then you had, Rabbi, then you had the second opinion, Rabbi Yochanan ben Brokaw said, no, even if the invalidation is because the Balim died, you don't have to wait, you burn it right away. Now we have also an opinion that says that even if the invalidation is intrinsic, you also have to leave it over, you always have to leave it over one day. Always. So who, that's the Tana of, uh, of the Yeshiva of Rabbi Baravu. Even if the Koban was totally invalid because the Kohen had the wrong intention when he was offering it, he had the intention to complete the service or eat the Koban at the wrong time, that it's called Pigul. It's intrinsically and totally invalid. You still have to leave it to the next day. He compares it to Notar. Notar is left over to the next day. The word Avon appears there. The word Avon, sin, appears in the context of Pigul. So then Gemara asks, Avon, Avon Aron. Why don't we use the word Avon? If we're going to learn the word Avon, the word Avon also appears in the context of the Korbanot of Aaron. Uh, and we could say um, that, uh, that uh, uh, you know, that really you see over there that the Chatat of Aaron that became Pasul was burnt immediately. They didn't wait till the next day. So why don't we learn from there that you burn it immediately? He'll just tell you that, you know what, in a situation like Aaron's in any other time, the rule would be that you leave it till the next day. Aaron was was an exceptional case that they burnt it the same day. Okay, now the, the idea is that, yeah, so you basically have three opinions. You have one opinion that the only time you can burn a korban is if it's been left overnight till the next day. It doesn't matter what the invalidation is. It always has to be left over till the next day. That's the most extreme opinion. Then you have the other extreme, which is that if the Koban is pasul, whether it's because of something intrinsic or it's because the owners died or whatever, it's extrinsic to the Koban, you can burn it immediately. And then you have the rabbis who say, no, if it's intrinsic to the Koban, you burn it immediately. If it's extrinsic, you wait till the next day so that there's some internal issue with the Koban that it became notar that you have to burn it. Now, now that we know that anything becomes pasul in Korbanot has to be burned. So, and it doesn't matter whether it is Kodeshik Right, we know that that's a that is a toashim that is a halachal and Moshe Misenai. So therefore, then, what do you need? We said that we had a pasuk for that. That anything that becomes pasul in the kodesh has to be burnt, right? So why is it that uh, why do we need the um, uh, that pasuk to tell us that we have to burn it 
if really, uh, really it's a Torah Shebaal Peh, that any Koban that becomes Tamei or becomes Pasul from exiting its area has to be burnt. And like we learned before, it doesn't always have to be burnt at the Beit HaMikdash, the, but, the, but it has to be burnt, right? So certain things have to be burnt at the Beit HaMikdash, but, uh, and certain things don't, but they have to be burnt. So, how mi ba'ilei shesrei fatah Right? That's coming to teach you that there are things that need to be burnt that need to be burnt actually at the Beit HaMikdash such as the Kodashim uh, the, the Kodashim Kodashim they have to be burnt they can't be burnt outside we learned before that certain Kodashim Kalim under certain circumstances could be burnt outside but the Kodashim Kodashim they have to be burnt always inside the Beit HaMikdash So then why do I need the Pasuk that tells me that if anything Tamei touches the meat of a Shlamim it gets burnt. So you just told me it's a Torah Shebaal Peh that it has to be burnt. So why are you telling me, why do I need that Pasuk to tell me that the meat of a Shlamim that I'm allowed to eat in Jerusalem has to be burnt if it becomes Tamei? So I will look, you need that. Because Salka Datachamina, you might have thought, Kotsule the Kodesh Kagon, Landamav, Nishpachtamav, Yetzadamav, Nishchatabalayla, the Bisreifa, the Litneobuchuli. Because you might have thought that only invalidations that apply specifically to Korbanot, like the blood was left overnight, the blood spilled out, the blood went out of the area, it was slaughtered at nighttime, right? Things that are only invalidations of Korbanot. You might think those require burning, right? But when it comes to uh, when it comes to tumah, which tumah is something that applies also to any food, any meat could become tamei, not just korbanot. You might think that since basically by make by treating it like anything else and allowing it to become tamei, I've treated it like a weekday thing. So I might think I don't need to burn it. I could just bury it in the ground like I bury other non-kosher things. So it says, that even that, um, you know, meaning so that people won't eat it, I would have to bury it, but really I don't have to burn it because what made it invalid was something commonplace, that it, was, it wasn't something related to the, uh, uh, to Korbanot in particular, but it was just that I treated it like anything else and it became Tamei. So therefore I would think I could just bury it and not burn it. So therefore it comes to tell me that no, Tum'ah is also included in this rule that you burn anything that becomes Pasul, that is a Korban and becomes Pasul, has to be burnt. Okay, that is the, that's the bottom line of the, um, of the Gemara. So now, um, I guess we can leave this till tomorrow because I don't want to rush through it, even though it's sort of connected to the previous. But we we did a, we started at the bottom of the previous Amud, so we'll, you know we'll we'll start here, Bezrat Hashem, tomorrow, and I'm sure we'll be able to be in person tomorrow.